This podcast is sponsored by Matthew Paranak Music, found at matthewparanakmusic.net. People, directors, are scared that their high school kids will figure out that somebody knows more than their director. That's what we fear, is that the kids will walk out of the room and go, golly, he's a whole lot smarter than Mr. Harris. And the kids, they don't think that at all. They just now think that band is cooler because the band is now better. Sometimes you just need someone to come in and say the same thing you've been saying, just in a different way. And maybe for you, it, it, it I mean, it obviously turns on the light bulb for the kids, but maybe for you, it turns on the light bulb. You're like, dang, I've been saying that same thing, but look at the different way that he said it. And that's one of the other pieces. It's not that you don't know. It's finding other tools to put in the toolbox so that when you're working with your kids, it's not being presented in the same way. You don't know what you don't know. One way to remedy this is to bring someone in to work with your band, or even just listen to the band or watch your show with a fresh pair of eyes. On this podcast, Trey Harris and Greg Basham join us to talk about ways to make your band and your own self better. And part of this is bringing someone in to teach and critique your group. Take what you get from these great people coming in, make notes and figure out how you're going to fix it, and don't make it the kids' fault. You know, there you get, go. get better. Don't don't blame the kids. And that's what we want to do because we're trying to cover for our own ego. We also talk about lifelong learning as a way to improve your own skills and knowledge base. Great information for any director or instructor. You don't know what you don't know on the Marching Roundtable. Rejuvenate your marching band this fall with state-of-the-art arrangements from Matthew Paranak Music, found at matthewparanakmusic.net. That's Matthew, P-A-R-U-N-A-K, music.net. Matthew Paranak Music specializes in creating completely custom, budget-conscious marching arrangements for the small marching band to help students achieve big results. All shows include completely custom winds and percussion music custom warm-up packets, incorporating visual and music concepts together, as well as educational support throughout the season. This year, get an affordable custom field show written exclusively for your students from Matthew Paranak Music at matthewparanakmusic.net. Hey everyone, welcome to the Marching Roundtable. This is Tim Hinton along with Dr. Joe Allison. Joe, how are you tonight? Great, Tim. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Also with us tonight, Greg Basham. How are you, Greg? I'm awesome. I'm if I was any better, you know, I'd be paying people. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for being here again. And of course, joining us tonight our special guest, Trey Harris. How are you doing tonight, Trey? I if I was more tickled, tickled I'd be pink. <laughs> All right, so all these, Eastern, you'd be put, well, never mind. <laughs> all, all these Eastern Tennessee colloquialisms are coming out. So you guys have that in common, right? You're all from Eastern Tennessee. We we are. And we, we've been enjoying a conversation before we started recording with all of that. And that it's, it's great to have you guys here. Now, Trey, you've been on podcasts before, but in case anybody doesn't know, of course, you're the director at Bassett High School in Virginia. And you have had a good year. As, I have I have had a very good year. Very as good. always. Greg, do you want to brag on him? Yeah, I'll brag dude, on him. Dude. Trey was voted uh, uh, the teacher of the year in his school district this year. And uh Got to go um, up to Richmond, Virginia, where he was uh, one of the finalists for Teacher of the Year. Woo-hoo! And uh, 
also was selected as the uh, Teacher of the Year by the Virginia Music Educators Association here recently, uh, what, two or three weeks ago, Trey? Uh, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, wow. two weeks ago. And then, uh, let's see, Trey, how many state championships is it now? Six or seven? Uh, seven. Seven in a row. So you right? won another one this fall. Correct. Congratulations. And, uh, you, you took the Bassett Band back to a BAA regional this fall for the first time in how many years? Um, I, I think oh oh six oh seven maybe something yeah, like that. so about seven years and how did y'all do? Uh, we won our class uh, class yeah. eight and I think we were third or fourth overall fourth maybe. Yeah, and how, how about what do you, you mean? You don't know the Western exact Carolina number? contest. The Western Carolina show. We won our class there, and we were third overall at night at Western. Yeah. yeah so, and and your mo- and now just as a, your mother tells me the best band you've ever had, and and I know she knows because she's seen every band <laughs> that you've ever taught and seen them in several performances a year. So when Sally Harris says that it's the best band Trey Harris has ever had, she, it, you can take it. that to the bank, people. Well, it, it was the best we've ever had, and a, and a lot of it was, yes, their performance, quality, and skills, but by far the best group of kids uh, that I've ever had, which makes a huge difference um, when you love them in and out of rehearsal. And I love all my kids and always have, but this, uh, especially this senior class, was ultra special. Uh, one, probably one of the most special classes that I've ever taught since I've been teaching. So that made it even more exciting or fun or the road, the journey was, was super great this fall. Just being with on a daily basis, the Saturdays were, were fun, but the Mondays through Fridays were way better than the Saturdays. Then that's really what it's all about right there. Absolutely. It needs and, and just so I qualify this before anybody else jumps in, I'm just so y'all know, Trey's mother is a discerning musician. And just because it's her son, don't think that she will save his feelings. <laughs> if they, if it ain't good, he'll know. So oh, you know, contest when I call her after we go on, and say, "Hey, how we doing? We gonna win?" No. There you have it. There you have it. How was it? How was it, Bob? Well, meet me down at the concession stand. I'll let you know. I'll tell you right now, I, I was at a couple contests and Sally was in the stands. I came up and I said, how was it, Sally? She goes, mm, you got a couple things to work on still. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, Trey. We're excited to have you here. And I guess all of that, of course, explains the, your uh, credibility if you needed that explaining. But um, we're here to talk about one of your sayings. Now, Greg, you and I talked about this. Trey has lots of fun sayings about the world of music and band. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know, as you noted before, um, everybody here went to school in East Tennessee. So um, you don't have to hang out in East Tennessee very long to find out that there's a, a, a one sentence saying that will describe about any moment or take care of anything that you need to know. We're very metaphorical in East Tennessee. <laughs> I love that. I used to say that was true of Simpsons episodes. There's always a Simpsons quote. So, yeah. So, Trey, exactly. you have lots of great sayings. And the one that we're talking about tonight, which is, you don't know what you don't know. Where did that come from? Um, I have no clue. <laughs> I, I, that's To me, that's a variation of a gentleman that we've mentioned on podcasts before uh, that uh, we were all exposed to in college, Perry Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. We should attribute it to Perry because it sounds like if he didn't, he would have done it. Absolutely. Well, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things that you know when you hang around him long enough. One of the things that you 
that you that you hear. And if you if you actually sit and listen to some of the I'm going to call them the old guards, um, you that that's one of the things that that they talk about or that you notice is that sometimes people don't do a good job listening to people who've been in the business for a while. There's just so many barriers. I was thinking about that today over, I I won't use names, but I went to do a rehearsal at a school, not terribly far from here. And it's somebody that I respect very much or I wouldn't have gone, but we spent the whole rehearsal. I'd say, well, there's this, there's that. And then there would be 18 volumes of excuses. Mm -hmm. For everything, it's like, I just finally, about 10 minutes in, went, okay, that's great. Boy, that's wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and I understand that because I've been on the other side of it a zillion times, but it's like, jeez. I mean, that's the only way you can find out what you don't know. I mean, we all have that problem. Well, How could you know what you don't know? Well, and that's the thing, Joe, is, you know, is we all are so close to it. It, it really, it really, you take it personally when yeah. when someone like yourself shows up and says, you know what, that's not very good right there, and that's not very good. And, you know, it's, it's hard to take. Yeah, when I was young, that was my, one of the hardest things is when people would come in and do my rehearsals or come hang out my rehearsals. You want everybody to tell you that your band's great and you're yeah. along, you're right along the road and just fix this one thing and it's going to be over the top. And then yeah. when they come in and within 30 seconds they're fixing your entire horn line and they sound better – it makes you mad, and then, like you said, at sometimes young. When I was young, you start making excuses, um, and I really had to learn. Um, and even now, when when really good people come in and, and work the band, you know, you sort of kind of have to talk yourself in, talk yourself out of a depression before they get here. Yeah, um, yeah. But knowing that they are just coming to make you better, and if you'll listen. You you know, it's the same thing, you know, Joe, you're a judge for DCI and BOA, and sometimes it's really disheartening listening to tapes because you're like, why didn't I hear that, or why haven't I seen that, or man, I am pitiful, and sometimes, when I was young too, I would listen to tapes, and I would get mad at Joe Allison, you know, and go, you know, he's just picking on us or whatever, and now that I try to, you know, now I'm older, you try to listen to tapes, and you know, take it as constructive criticism. Nobody's after you. Um, well, and it make- goes back. Trey, it goes back to that whole thing about you know you take it so personally because you're so close to it. That's right. the same reason why you miss things. Right. Absolutely. You're the one rehearsing it constantly, and so you know that Joe Bob is the worst third trombone Joe player Bob. ever. Thanks. And he misses that same set constantly. So you're watching for him because you've been working on him for three weeks, even though he has no chance of playing it or marching it right. Yeah, I think Greg yeah. and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you just can't be objective over a certain period of time. And it's been over these many years that I've been both judging and directing. It's funny. There seems to be two basic personality types when it comes to this sort of thing. Like, I would go into critique on the few that I did as a high school band director, and I would go into the judge and say, where did you find 80 points worth of worth in what we did? We were awful. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they'd be like, what? Because I just, you know, and it was always a challenge because I just, I was always thought we were horrible. People would talk about things like, well, you know, you worried the band's going to peak too soon. 
I'm worried the band's never going to peak. <laughs> it's just like, what's peaking too soon? And then there's there's people who are just the opposite. And I don't know if it's a personality thing or what, but you just can't be objective. And people think I'm so smart when I go in in October and I, I fix three or four little things. And they go, wow, we've been seeing this for six months and you walked in in 10 minutes. That's the whole point. Exactly. That's why you bring people in. Yeah, yeah that's why I mean, you bring them in. Exactly. So you just have to bite your tongue. And I'll tell you one thing I've learned in both the fall activity and the summer activity. The people that have had the most competitive success are pretty quick to give it up sometimes. I mean, you can tell that they don't, they don't really understand why you have the perception you have, but they're going to deal with it one way or another. It's not about being right or wrong. Like, like we tend to say, it's not reality. It's perception. Yeah. Right. Well, and then the other the other thing is is um you you know you just have to when when you bring somebody in it's like Trey said you have to set yourself up a little for you know what if you're bringing somebody really good in you know don't don't wait don't bring a yes man in you need to bring somebody in who is going to go over your program with a fine tooth comb you know you need a Joe Allison you need a Frank Williams you need a uh, a Robert W. Smith. You need a Matt Harloff. You need somebody who's got bigger ears and is a better musician than you are. Why'd you put you know? me on that list then? Because those are smart people. <laughs> I said people with bigger ears, and you definitely got to some of the biggest ears. <laughs> well, it's just because it's just because I lost my hair. My ears look bigger. Yeah, but just just that that sense of being objective. Like I always tell people in the summer. You know, when they start getting frustrated, they've been doing the same show forever and they're getting varied opinions. And by the way, getting varied opinions over things is a sign of something as well. But at any rate, I'll, I'll always ask, do you have somebody that you really trust that hasn't seen the group for a while? Bring them in. Not somebody that's heard them every week or every rehearsal. You can't. You know, Wayne Downey can't be objective about the Blue Devils horn line every night for 16 weeks. As brilliant as he is. You know, Matt Harloff can't be objective about Carolina Crown's horn line every night for 16 weeks. Right. And just so happens those two guys will listen to everything you say, and then they'll decide how they want to use it. Right. Yeah. They'll take notes, and they'll absorb it, and then they'll go yep. reflect on it. And some of it they'll go, I'm not going to mess with that. But this right. little gym right here, I'm going to do something with. Exactly. One thing, you know, for, for young band directors, if, if they're listening to this, hopefully they're listening because Tim provides such a great service. There's your plug, Tim. Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> is, you know, when people, when the smart people do come into your band, don't get mad at your band. Like, yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> it's like, that was, you know, that's what I see. I, I mean, I've done it myself before. It's like people like, you know, Joe's on with us, so I'll choose Joe. Joe comes in. And he goes, oh, well, you know, your trumpets aren't tonguing very well. And then I watch, like I've watched people scream at their trumpets before and act like they've gone over it. They haven't gone over it. That's why they tr that's why they tongue poorly, or that's why, what you know, take what you get from these great people coming in, make notes and figure out how you're going to fix it, and it don't make it the kids' fault. You know, there get you go. get better. Don't don't blame the kids, and that's what we want to do because we're trying to cover for our own ego. And you want, I, you know, you want Joe Allison to drive in the parking lot and when it's over. Go well, I can't find anything. You're going to win Grand Nationals because I don't see any mistakes. And you know that's not going to happen in any band in, in the United States of America. You so. just brought up two great points. One is it'll never be good enough, and it took me a while to figure that out. 
because I kept thinking if I just do one more thing, then Trey's going to come in or Greg's coming or Tim's going to come in and go, man, I'm just so impressed. There's nothing I can add. It's never going to be good enough. No. And then the other thing is, yeah, that thing about being embarrassed in front of your kids or blaming the kids. Here's the point that I want to make about that. Nobody can do it all all the time. No. Greg Bim can't do it all all the time. And if Greg Bim can't do it, none of the rest of us can. It's too many things. It takes too much input. You know, it's just it's a mathematical issue if it's nothing else. So don't be embarrassed about that. I, I wouldn't bring in clinicians my first five years of teaching because I, I knew if I did, my kids would see how stupid I am. And, of course, what happened was the first time I started doing it, not only did they like me better because they, they understood that I would do anything to help them, but then I learned a bunch when I brought people in. Duh. Absolutely. It's the hard part. You know, bringing up a good point of, you know, it'll never be good enough. I, I spent maybe my first 10 years of being a band director, being at the last show of the year, you know, for me during that point of my career, a lot of them was at semifinals at grand nationals and we would leave the field and I would be in a depression because it wasn't good enough. You and, never, yeah, Trey, yeah. you never, Trey, you never enjoyed a performance, did you? No, I didn't. I like, I really didn't until I learned to let go and go, you know what? They're phenomenal. Could we make it better? Yes. You know, this year could um, um, from Texas. Um, who won this year? Um, the Woodlands. The Woodlands. Could the Woodlands have had a better run? I'm sure, but goodness oh, gracious, yeah. they were phenomenal. You know, from what I saw, could Avon have been better? Sure. Could Could Carmel have been better? Sure. But you know, it took me a long time to sit back and just be able to enjoy, you know, performances. Uh, a long time, and I still now, even today, I almost have to talk myself into, you're going to watch this, and you're going to be okay with what happens, and then if you have time to fix it, you will, and if not, it's the end of the season, tell the kids they did a great job, how proud you are of them, it's been a great season, and let's move on. There you go. No, I mean, I mean, it's the bottom line, is, is it's, I just know that when we get down to the last week, or last two weeks of the season, I would start looking at the rest of the staff and go, you need to watch the kids and enjoy what they're doing because they're always going to make mistakes. Yep. There's all, I mean, you've got 150 kids running around the field. There's always going to be a couple mistakes. And one of the things that Trey and I learned together, I, I learned this when we were on staff at Magic. We used to, the kids used to come off the field and we'd get them all circled up and we'd go, okay, how was, how was your show? And then they'd start, and we might have thought it was a pretty good one for June 27th, <laughs> but then they would start telling us the five things that happened with to them and the five things over here. And pretty soon we'd be looking at each other and go, God, it must have been awful. <laughs> and yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you have to temper yourself for that. I did a clinic a couple of years ago at the BOA Symposium with Amanda Drinkwater, which we're actually doing a video of for, for MRT. But uh, she talks about how – she, it's a big thing for her to talk to the Marcus kids about their performances because nobody ever talked to her about her performances when she was in high school marching band. And, mm-hmm. she, and she sees the value in that. So they really do have a lot of, of input and reflection that comes from the performers. Absolutely. Every time we do a, a run through, even at practice, even at the end of practice, every Friday night, every Saturday, even if it's prelims finals, I mean, we come out, and whenever we finish, my first question to them always is, 
what did you think? And I make them talk about it and tell me, you know, I want them to say it was terrible because I want them to know, you know, what's good and what's bad. And know, and know why, yeah. Know why, yeah. Well, why was it bad? They said, well, we had a timing tear from letter J to letter K in the opener. And in the ballad, we didn't, you know, this didn't happen and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and also be able to talk to them about, you know, the color guard. How did you do, color guard? Oh, it was awful. Why is that? Well, we had three drops. Well, that doesn't mean it was awful. You know, drops are not on the tick system anymore. It's 2013. You know, just because you had a couple drops doesn't mean that it wasn't a great performance. There you go, Tim. Did you hear that? Yeah, I'm loving that. (laughs) <laughs> being able to teach the kids that sometimes what you perceive to be bad may just be you and the other 139 people uh-huh. spectacular and you uh-huh. can't pull your the rest of your performance down into the doldrums you know when you have a bad you know like it happened to us this year at the first friday night football game we had a, a big build up in the pit and the first note that the band played was they was came out of silence there was a voiceover. They turn around, a big double forte note at the beginning of Ride of Spring, and one tuba player came in one beat early the first Friday night football game, and he came in at like quadruple forte. I mean, it was they heard him five counties over. <laughs> and really the rest of the performance for the first Friday night was really pretty good. And when they came off the field, I said, hey, what would you think? And they went, no, terrible. But why? Well, somebody came in early. Okay, oh. but that, tell me what was really bad. And they really couldn't think of anything. I was like, exactly. For for two seconds, we had something unfortunate happen, and then you were good from then on. You can't let a two-second stance happen or let it bother you for the rest of the show and pull you down. That's a great object lesson. Well, and really the – the the big thing is, and this is, I think, what one of the things that maybe people don't talk about enough, or maybe the really good groups do, and that's why they handle it so well, is, is you know, when you make a mistake, it's not about being error-free. It's about how you handle it and recover from it. Absolutely. I mean, true, true, true. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, 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 learned that, I, I learned that when we were young from, because we, Lasseter would come down to, the BOA region, or you'd see him, and of course they had 9,000 in the band <clears throat> running around all over the place, and when you got 9,000, there's bound to be somebody out of step, or someone will miss a halt, or or you might hear a kid occasionally who, you know, came in earlier, and you'd st- and then they'd win the show, and you'd go, but wait a minute, I saw this happen, and that happened, and this happened, but it was a because of the way they rehearsed, and how they were trained to deal with those, and then get past them, and not let it affect everything else that they did, that they still were able to perform at such a high level. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard a band parent or a spectator at a drum corps show or whatnot say, well, so-and-so won, but I saw a trumpet player out of step. You know, and that, that gives you a chance to talk about things like, Tim, why don't you say it? That, that, you know, that uh, excellence is not just the absence of error. Right, something we've talked about on the podcast, Absolutely. Listening to what Joe's had to say and what Trey's had to say, you know, there's a couple of things that that strike me. One is not to, you know, to work very hard at not being defensive when you get a, a tape from judges or when you bring someone in to 
to work with your group and to try to just absorb it and then don't don't try to fix everything right then just absorb it and then you know after you when the kids are gone sit and talk to them a little more ask a few questions and then don't do anything right away wait 12 hours 24 hours you know think on it figure out what are the two biggest what's the biggest ugly what's the second biggest ugly and what's the third biggest ugly that i can work on and fix that are going to help the kids the most and put your ego aside because that's what it comes down to is it's it's you know it's ego that's all of it. It's all ego. I mean, we can all say it. It's all, it's all ego. Yeah. And, and you then, can't be effective without one. Right. No, no, you got to have it. Absolutely. I mean, you got to have it. Absolutely. But just learning, learning how and when and where to use it uh, is one of some of the most important stuff. Right. Absolutely. And then, and then the other one is, is a, and this is a, I've had this said to me nine million times by Perry, but I know it's actually a Jack Cannell saying. And, if anything that's going, you know, anything that you don't like about your band or your color guard or any group that you're associated with, if you don't think they're playing well or you don't think they're marching well or you don't think the kids know how to behave well, the answer is looking at you in the mirror every morning when you shave your face or brush your teeth. Thank you. It all starts and stops right there. And that's all you need. When you don't know what you don't know, well, that's all you need to know. Yeah, it's scary, but it's true. It is hurtful sometimes, but it is true. Yeah. So I think that it, the trick then is if you don't, if you realize that you don't know what you don't know, then the I think the trick is knowing who to ask, right? How to ask for help. How many yeah. can you ask? Yeah. Say that again, Trey. How many people can you ask? Because there's because everybody has almost everybody has a good answer. They may give you forty answers, and thirty nine of them may be crap, but one of them may actually help your band or help you. So you know, for me, it's kind of and my my assistant director Scott Allred, who does our middle school and he does a ton of stuff with me here at the high school, is there, for him even more than me is the absolute relentless pursuit of more knowledge. I mean. Almost every day I come in, he goes, hey, I was on YouTube last night watching blah, 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 and this was this, and I'm a terrible band director. I've got to change the way I do this. And then he'll come in the next day, and he'll have all this chart drawn out and all this stuff. And, I mean, just the absolute, I mean, I try to treat myself because I really am pretty stupid. Like, I don't know anything. (laughs) What? God. how How can you, I mean, there's so much stuff out there. It kind of, I chuckle sometimes when, like, I just came from the VMEA state convention, and, you know, you go into some of these, like, I went to Scott Rush's uh, Habits of Successful Band Director clinic that he was having there, and there's, I don't know, 200 band directors in the room, and there's, like, 12 people taking notes and 188 people just sitting there. And you're like, you know, got, yeah, giving out handouts, but he he's saying way more than what's in the handout. And if you'll make notes, you'll remember it Monday. If you don't make notes, you won't remember it when you get to lunch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or else you'd know it anyway. That's the that's the same thing. You don't know what you don't know. It's yeah, exactly. I mean, I I wrote all <laughs> stuff. And when I say that, I'm not talking down to anybody, unless I'm talking down to myself. Because all the times that I've been told things that I needed, but I didn't know I needed, and I was so arrogant or lazy 
is to not do what I needed to do. No, I, I agree, Joe. I mean, I, I can tell on Greg and myself. I mean, I can remember when we were first in college, um, and Joe was still old then, but when we first started college, <laughs> uh, you know, we would go to Midwest and almost take pride in not going to any clinics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you go hear the Air Force Band, and then you go hear this, and then you go hang out with your friends. And you got to the end of the week, and you go, "Hey, what you know? What did you learn, or what did you go?" And you go, "Golly, we didn't go to a single session." You know, we went and listened to bands and did this and that. But right. you know, now when I when I go to those things, you know, I try to like one of the ones at VMEA was about oboe stuff. I'm clueless when it comes to oboe, and you know, it's, it's an integral part of having a really good grade five, grade six band. And so I went to it, and some people are like, why are you going to that? I'm like, because I'm an idiot on oboe. Like, even if they're teaching middle school techniques, surely to goodness I can take something back to my oboe player. And I did. I mean, I was able to go in on Monday morning and go, hey, Kennedy, um, you need to do this and this and this. I'm stupid and have never been able to tell you that. But I did learn some stuff this weekend, and here's some little nuggets I found out that can make you better today. And what that did was demonstrate her high school band director, who in whom she holds great esteem, is a lifelong learner. So it sets a great paradigm for her. Right, right. And you and know I, what, Trey, to, to, to Trey's point, I, I think it was like my, it was my third year teaching. I went to, we went to Midwest, and we went into a session, believe it or not, and I sat through it, <laughs> and I took away a couple morsels that changed the the way I taught it changed the way I taught and I became a better band director. I took away a couple morsels from a, that just really, that really resonated with me and it changed the way I taught. And so it changed my ability to build a rapport with my kids. It was no longer, what I did was no longer about getting on the right dot or playing exactly the right note or always having the right butt pushing down, which is all important. But, there's so many other things that you can do for them that will um, impact them as young people and consequently will allow you to be able to communicate with them in a way that will also make them better musicians as they go, but more importantly, better human beings. Not true. Well, and I love that we've had this conversation about lifelong learning because I think that that's really key. I think that it's sort of like my philosophy that, that people get out of shape and start having all kinds of physical problems because they stop moving and they stop getting any kind of exercise or movement and they end up sitting on the couch watching TV. I think it's the same thing with your brain. I think that if you're a band director, even if you've been teaching 30 years, you know, you should still be going to concerts and reading and, and, you know, studying and, um, learning stuff, right? Trey, like, I mean, you, you're admitting, okay, I don't know everything, but then you're also doing something about it. And I think that that's where people sometimes get into trouble. I think so. I mean, I think people maybe get happy and they, you know, their principals pat them on the back and their parent organization goes, oh, you do such a great job and we just love you and our kids love you. And sometimes people, uh, I think we've all probably been there at some point in time where you just go, hey, I'm doing it all right. So long as we just keep status quo, everything's okay. And then what happens is the world happens and people start passing you and you have to start figuring out that's not good enough anymore. And I, I got to figure out how to make, make this better. 
And the weird thing about it is it almost sounds negative, but the truth is that what's, that's what keeps us engaged and growing. Because I remember a, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Andy Gowan, a musician who's uh, associate dean at, uh, actually now I think he's the dean of the graduate studies at the School of Music at South Carolina. He told me one time, you know, it's possible to be really stressed out and bored at the same time. Yep. And I thought that was so strange, but what it was, I was a high school band director going through all this stuff all the time, but it was repetitive tasks. Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't getting what I needed to, you know, to, to sort of nurture myself and my soul and my intellect and whatnot. And that's been the greatest part about being a college person. I spend much, as much time trying to learn stuff myself and then sharing it with students. But you can do that. I mean, obviously... You know, Greg and Trey are great examples of that, and so many successful band directors I know. I mean, they're just adamant about learning all the time. I I found myself, Scott and I were talking about this the other day, I almost learned more VMEA eating dinner and breakfast and lunch with my friends. I found myself on Monday and Tuesday doing things that somebody said at dinner that they did with their band or that they were doing or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes nice to go to those, those conventions or whatever. And sometimes people say, I'm tired of talking about band, but a lot of it's, you're just making yourself better. Um, so yeah, it does get boring talking about it. Sometimes you just have to take a break away from it. But I mean, I learned just as much in the, in the lunch clinic as I did in some of the sit down clinics. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, the, if you don't keep paying attention and learning and engaging yourself, the activity, you know, especially since we're talking about the marching activity here, it's uh, always evolving and changing. And you really do have to keep up. And, but I, I, I hope that people aren't interpreting that as like work and a giant chore. Like it requires effort, but it should be fun. It's just something we all love to do, right? It's and it, it's fun. I think this is for another podcast, Tim, that we're going to do soon, I think. But, you know, that you bring that up, I we had not done Bassett had not done BOA nationals or regionals for about seven years, um, and with this year we just decided, hey, we may take a, a shot at going back to nationals next year, and a regional just plopped in our lap at, at Wake Forest in Winston Salem, which is about forty five minutes from where we live. So we're like, hey, here's a shot to just go back and see where we are in this thing. Um, and we went to Western Carolina, hadn't been there in, in probably five, six, seven years. And we were a nervous wreck those two weeks because we didn't know, do we still stack up with all these people? Have we been left behind? Are we parents? Where are we at this whole thing? And we were truly, I mean, when we, you know, you know how it is when you have prelims final shows, you get the list and you start counting who's in and who's out. And we were going, God darn, we're going to be 11th or 12th or, man, we'll be tickled if we're 10th, if they just call our name and we can be in finals. Uh, Not knowing where we stacked up with the world after not seeing some of the world for a while. Um, And then my boosters uh, were gracious enough to fly me to Grand Nationals, uh, where I saw Joe on the field in his fisherman hat. Um, (laughs) Of course. And um, you know, it was amazing how much it has changed. The last time I was at Grand Nationals was in the RCA Dome. Um, so just the change of atmosphere and change of all that. But the just the, I mean, I came back with my staff, and even I, I, I typed up a letter to my my booster board 
and kind of gave them a blow by blow of what I saw, what I heard. Had a meeting with a uniform guy, getting ready to buy new uniforms, and you know, kind of gave them a blow by blow. And if we're going to go here, these are the things that we have to do, or we shouldn't go. Um, but just going to that event and going, holy smokes, the last seven years, this has changed so much. I have to change my band next year, or we're not going to fit in up here. You know, it was a, yeah. pretty amazing. You know, the other thing that I'm in interested about what you guys are saying. Joe, if you remember, I don't know if you remember this conversation. We've been doing this podcast now for about three years now. And Are you saying I'm old again? Everybody's speaking <laughs> of my age and my haberdashery. <laughs> well, well, we'll leave Holy that crap, there. crap, let me get out my thesaurus here. By the way, that hat came oh. from a stylish men's store in Portland, Oregon. It is decidedly not a fishing hat, although it looks like it. Can you spell that? Hat, H-A-T. <laughs> Haberdashery. Yeah, can you spell that? All right, every, everybody can Google that. Anyway, my, uh, my, my, <laughs> my point was this. Joe, I don't know if you remember when we first started, one of the things we were honestly had discussions about is we said, okay, we're going to be putting out all this information for people on these podcasts. We didn't know if any band directors would listen Honestly, because so many band directors yeah. seem to think that they know everything. And I, I right. know that sounds really negative to say that here, but we actually had a discussion about, will people admit what they don't know? Well, of course. And I mean, it's, it's tough for all of us at all levels. And, you know, like, believe me, it's not lost on me in my old age. I go to these different places and people expect me to be brilliant. And you know what? I'm not. And so it's. <laughs> well, you have your moments. Uh, yeah, but they're accidental. And it's just... Hey, it, I, mean, I have it's a friend that Joe, Joe, you just got to be the smartest kid on the dumb row, so, you know. There you go. <laughs> Straight from the mouth of Perry Elliott. Uh, <laughs> bless his heart. I bet his ears are burning tonight. We tell him all the time after we talk to him, listen, we mentioned, we mentioned you, buddy. Sorry, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have taught us so much. I know, he taught me a lot. You know, he and I went to school together. And he's old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what you know, but to the to the point and he still tries to comb his hair over. I love it. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anyway, to the to the point, I do think though that we found that most people are willing to learn, especially from people that they um respect. And I also think that we've found that when we've just when we've had conversations with all of these top designers and band directors and instructors they always are they're like Trey. They're the first one. I mean, they admit their success, but then they're the first one to say, there's a lot I still don't know. There's a lot I want to learn. I'm always paying attention. Like, you know, everybody has said that. Yeah, of course. Right. But that's, well, I think that's a trademark of being a good director and, and, a, and a smart a person. A good educator. I mean, Being a smart yeah. person is knowing what you don't know to some degree. I think the bottom line is that people, that directors are scared that their high school kids will figure out that somebody knows more than their director. That's what we fear is that the kids will walk out of the room and go, golly, he's a whole lot smarter than Mr. Harris. And the kids, they don't think that at all. They just now think that band is cooler because the band is now better. I don't, think, that I don't think they ever walk out of the room and go, man, our band director's stupid. Thank goodness he brought somebody in. I'm, I'm going to tell you what. Here, here's a, Here's a prime example of when you got a brave band director. There's this young man who teaches at the University of Texas of El Paso named Andre Fagan. 
Now, T Andre Fagan. Yeah, T. Yes, Don't that's right. Don't T out, please. Let me um, tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you've ever let Tommy loose on your band, I'm telling that's a gutsy call because kid, he <laughs> is a kid magnet. Is he not, Trey Harris? You can't follow him. You absolutely can't follow him with your own no. band. You can't follow he him. He is a kid magnet. But let me tell you something. They will learn a ton from him. Not because, I mean, Andre knows a lot, but and Andre, will be, he'll tell you he don't know anything. But he knows a lot. What he's really good at is he's he brings a different tech. He brings a different way of explaining something you've already been talking about. And that's that's really what it comes down to is is the, 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 the it's always evolving. And you the kids sometimes you just need someone to come in and say the same thing you've been saying just in a different way. And maybe for you, it, it, it I mean, it obviously turns on the light bulb for the kids, but maybe for you, it turns on the light bulb. You're like, dang, I, you know, I've been saying that same thing. But look how look at the different way that he said it. And that's that's one of the other pieces. It's not that you don't know. It's finding other tools to put in the toolbox so that when you're working with your kids, it's not being presented in the same way. Right. I wish I had a dollar for every time a kid, you know, brought somebody in and someone had said the same thing I've been saying in the after rehearsal. Kids say, "Why didn't you teach us that?" <laughs> and it's all about that modalities of learning thing. It's just it's amazing the different sparks or the different things that will influence a kid to finally grasp a concept. Yep. So whatever, bring it on. Paint the walls a different color. Whatever it takes. Hey, whatever, whatever makes them the best they can possibly be. Exactly. And excited. It's funny that you brought T Andre Fagan up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) About ten years ago, um, we had Bassett High School and Field Collinsville High School, Magna Vista High School, and Laurel Park High School. And because of declining enrollment, uh, we ended up consolidating from four high schools to two. And Bassett and, and Phil O'Connell both were bands from America bands and very competitive against each other. Love-hate relationship with the band. More hate than love. We acted love in front of each other, but it was more hate. Um, and then we they just slammed us together. And that first band camp, I mean, I was a nervous wreck. And we hired uh, Andre to come in and do the camp. And the kids had an absolute blast. And it wasn't because of Trey Harris at all. Um, because that is not, I mean, I like to have a good time, but I'm not the happy-go-lucky nearly as much as Andre is. And I'm telling you, within two hours of having two rivals standing side-by-side with, with each other, laughing, cutting up, and those kids couldn't get enough of band camp. They couldn't wait to come back. And we were, I mean... To be honest, we had way more problems that year with the parents than we did with the kids. Yeah. That actually course. doesn't surprise me at all. Not at all. No. <laughs> but, you know, just, I guess, you know, being able to bring somebody in. I mean, some people could look at it and go, well, consolidation, you should have just took the bull by the horns. And then my view was I did. I brought in somebody that was better than me to make to make everything go okay. No, no, no. Not somebody better than you. Somebody different than you. Well, yeah. I mean, somebody that had that, like Greg said, that spark personality. Um, that was well, you had, you had different worries, Trey. And so what, what to yeah, me, though, yeah. what that speaks to is smart band director, smart educator. Because you, you weren't worried about your ego. What you were worried about was the kids. Right. And, you know, Greg, you've been around him. I think, Joe, have you been around Andre? 
Yeah. I mean, he's he's just he's electric in front of kids, mm-hmm. and that's what I needed at that first band camp. I you know I needed electricity, and he has that more than most anybody. There are a lot of great teachers out there, and he he has that that value with him of, of being an electric teacher, and um, you know, he, and you know what he brings in people to work with his kids. Exactly, he does. He does. I mean, it takes all kinds. It does, and, and you know what's funny is, is if you talk to him, he'll talk to you about why. I, you know what I was? I learned this from so and so the other day, and I I went and watched so and so, and I learned this, and I went and watched, and that's really what it's all about. Yep. So well, and I just want also want to mention that that your kids, if you are a band director that's there every day, and they your kids know that you're doing everything and every ounce of your body and your power to, to for them, then they're going to love you. And that's, yep. I think that's always the bottom line. So it doesn't matter who you bring in and how, how swanky they are or how amazing or whatever. At the end of the day, you're their director and they love you. And so you really need to get over this whole, I'm afraid of not looking good because they love you faults and all because you're theirs. And, and to, to top onto that, Tim, is what I've told people before too, is that the bottom line, even like when I have like two people doing the drum line or two or three people doing the color guard or whatever, and you bring people in the bottom line is at the end of the day, when you win an award or when the newspaper comes in or whatever, the person in charge is what gets all the credit. (laughs) That's That's right. That, I mean, if, if you have an ego, we all like, like Joe said, we, you have to, you really do have to have an ego to be good. Um, just know when to use it and where to use it and how to use it. But you know, if you feel like you need to be patted on the back, if you're the band director, and your band does well, you're the first person they're going to come to. The bottom line, they're going to come to you. If Andre Fagan came in 10 times during my fall and instructed us at Grand Nationals and we did really well, the first person the parents are going to go to is the band director. They're not going to go to Andre. They may tell him thank you at the bus or when we're out eating or whatever, but sure. you know, don't be afraid to bring people in because you think you're going to lose some credit. I mean, you're... You're going. You're the one. When, when the band's successful, the newspaper's coming to you. The principal's coming to you. The superintendent's coming to you. What's that famous saying that it's amazing how much credit there is to go around when no one cares who gets it? Something yep, like thank that. Thank you. Yeah, and it's just it's just so true. It is. Well, and, and here's the other thing: is I, I am. It is a rare occasion where you see a really outstanding or hear a really outstanding ensemble, and then you find out that only one person is doing the band. You, If you look at your more successful ensembles, particularly in the marching activity, there are going to be a lot of cooks standing there. There's only one chef, but there's a lot of cooks. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, Well, guys, we need to start wrapping this up. This has been a really great discussion. Um, does anybody have any final thoughts about this before we go? Trey, since you're our special guest, do you have any final thoughts? My final thought is don't be scared to bring people in who are as good as you, if not better than you. Don't be afraid to learn from those people uh, because it's only going to make you better in the long run, which is only going to make your band better in the long run as well. Um, And like we've said, have an ego. You have to have an ego to be great. Just learn when, where, how to use it. And, you know, you go much further in your band career or choral career, whatever it is, whatever musical activity you're doing, just let it rip. 
Awesome. Joe or Greg, anything? My, my big thing is, is um, number one, you never learn anything from always being successful. It's going to be the failures along the way that are going to allow you to grow as a, as an educator. And um, the other piece is, is let's say you bring somebody in and they turn out to be a train wreck. There's something to be learned from that as well. Those are two very wise statements. You would do well to take heed to those. And I just want to say I'm proud of my uh, colleagues and classmates from ETSU. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Should I play the fight song? Let me get my trumpet out. Hang on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, see if you can find your chops around there somewhere too, will you? Yeah, I probably can't get the high C at the end, but I, you know, uh, I'll sing just it. take her down an octave. Absolutely, and leave it out. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. This was great. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having us. If you know what you don't know, learn more by searching our podcast archives at marchingroundtable.com and listening to all the great information and advice available from experts in our activity. Find out about upcoming podcast topics and guests by signing up for a free VIP membership at marchingroundtable.com. That way, you'll receive our bi-weekly newsletter, plus access to special content and early access to certain podcasts. Thanks again to our sponsor, Matthew Paranak Music, found at matthewparanakmusic.net. Thanks to our editor, Aaron Osborne. And thanks again to Trey and Greg for joining us. And thanks to you for listening. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should consider sponsoring an episode of the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach, and with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast. Thanks.